Good morning, Community Church. Good to be with you today. Hey, we just had a great worship, and I just wanted to, to say I am so excited to be here today. At my age, I have a lot of memories, and I still remember them. Uh, not like some of these young people behind me here who haven't developed these memories yet, but I'm going to help them today because I'm going to say something to you that I think you'll really understand. I remember a trip because I took that trip every year on the second Friday of July. It was a 10-hour drive from College Park, Georgia to Jacksonville Beach, Florida. You may think, why did it take that long to get there? Well, because there were no interstate highways then, and there was no GPS, and there were no cell phones. But I remember at 4.30 in the morning on that Friday, my aunt and my mother would awaken my brother and sister, and they'd awaken me, and we would all get into this huge Buick. It was so large that my brother could sleep on the black back floor, my sister could sleep on the back bench, and I, being a very tiny guy, could sleep in the back window. We would drive and drive and drive. And what I really remember is my mother and my aunt always going back and forth about which way to go. Because all we had was this huge map and my aunt, she couldn't read a map. And so my mother was saying, no, Elizabeth, we're not going that way, we're going this way. Eventually, we would arrive at the same place somehow in South Georgia it was a pure oil station. There was a concrete bench with concrete table, and there we always had our lunch. I still remember it. And my mother would go in to the store and she would ask for directions. She would say, can you tell me, has anything changed? What's the right road to get to Jacksonville Beach? Now I know that none of you speak Southern English, but I'm going to tell you the response that she received. He said, well, says, you know where at uh, Joe Stewart down there on the bed? He said, uh, you go down there. And my mother would say, I'm sorry, I'm not from here. I don't know where those things are. And he would say, that's all right. So why don't you go on down there? You see that sign to Waycross? You don't want to go there. You want to go the other way. And my mother always understood what he was saying. They'd get in the car, we'd start off, and my aunt would say, I don't think that's the way to go. My mother would say, Elizabeth, that is the way that we are going. We always arrived. I'll tell you about that in just a little while. But isn't it interesting that because times have changed so, it seems much easier to find where you want to go. Because you do have GPS. You do have cell phones. You have ways of identifying your location and then moving to the new location where you want to go. Well, that's for the physical part of life. But what we started last week was a discussion about the spiritual side of life, the real personality of who you and I need to become. And we said there is a choice to be made. That choice is either that you are going to choose the way of the simple that ultimately leads to judgment, or you're going to choose the way of knowledge that also leads, but it moves you to a point of reward. So that's what I want to talk about today. Do you choose simple or do you choose knowledge as we begin this journey through Proverbs? Well, let's define simple. If you didn't hear Alan's definitions last week, you should go back. Listen to them. 
but I'm going to add to what he said so that we have a complete, full understanding of what it means to be a simple person. Now, I'm not talking about economically simple or, or simple in the way we live our lives and choose to in a balanced way. I'm talking about a spirit within you who is so simple that you are not willing to investigate, to understand, to do anything but follow the crowd. I can identify with that. I can remember a time in my life when I lived like a simple-minded person because it was all about me. Now, I know that none of you ever lived like that, right? That is a redundant question because obviously they did. Every one of us has been at a point in our lives where we have chosen simple. We don't investigate for truth. We're not looking for understanding. We're going to follow the crowd, because that's the way the simple go. Seven words define a simple person. Naive, silly, foolish, shallow, wayward, hot-headed, and ignorant. Do any of those identify where you've been in the past? Perhaps even where you are now? You see, that is the, the silly mindset. And the problem is not in the mind. The problem of the silly person is in the heart. Why? Because they are denying the existence of the Creator. They're saying, there is no God. I'm okay where I am. Everything is fine with me. Now let me extend that a little bit and say this. Do you know that it's also possible for a Christian who believes in Jesus Christ to have areas of simplicity in their own thinking, in their own spirit. They believe that they're doing everything fine, that it's not a problem. But there is a problem in our lives when we slip into that simple mindset because the scale is going to show you where that will lead you. Let me give you a historical example of someone who was simple. In 63 B.C., Pompey was a Roman general, and he had conquered the Middle East. When he came to Jerusalem, he went immediately toward the temple, and arriving at the temple, it's recorded that those who were in there, scared to death of him and of his Roman army, had said to him, Please do not enter our holy space. You know, crush us, kill us, but don't go into the holy place or the Holy of Holies. Pompey didn't listen to them. He was a simple person in our definition of simple. He went into the holy place where the offerings were made, and he took the curtain to the Holy of Holies, and he pulled it apart and went in. And it is recorded that these were his words. Hey, hey, it's dark in here. Hey, there, there's nothing here. It's empty. Well, yes, it is to those who are simple. God had lifted the Shekinah glory out so the light had removed. He had taken his presence away so that a simple person only sees the dark. Now, let me contrast that with the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah also goes to the temple right after his good friend, King Uzziah, died. And when he enters this temple, what does he say in the scriptures? He said, 
the temple was filled with the glory of God. His train filled the whole temple and the angels were around him and they were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Empty? Not at all. Completely filled. This is the difference. A simple person cannot find God because they're not willing to seek for God. But a person of knowledge who is seeking God will find God where God wants him to be found. You have to make these kinds of choices in life. I've been reading through the Kings. Uh, Some of it is very laborious because it's just a name of a king, a name of a king. But you know what I found? is As I'm reading about these kings, there's a recurring line that bothers me. Whether it was a good king or a bad king, quite often you find the same line, which is, he did well in the sight of the Lord, but he did not remove the high places. Or, he never served the Lord, and he never removed the high places. What are the high places? There are those things that are empty. Those things that you enter looking for meaning, and it's not there. But you allow them to remain in your own life. What are your high places? What are the things in your life that you know will not be anything other than simple-minded thinking? It won't lead you anywhere. What are they? What are your habits? When you get into understanding those, and you're willing to get rid of the high places, then you're going to find something that you really are searching for. You're going to find a knowledge of God. So I want to talk about that for a minute. Last week, Alan quoted Proverbs 14, 12, and he said this, There is a way that seems right unto man, the way therein is death. Have you ever thought about this? Listen to the logic of this. If there is a way that seems right to a man, there must be a way that seems wrong to a man. The way that is right leads to death, the way that is wrong leads to life. That's a logical assumption. Well, let's play with that for a minute. Is there a way that seems right unto a man that leads to death? Yes, that's what we're talking about. The simple person that is going to find their way all the way to death and to judgment. But on the other side, there is the knowledgeable person who's going to find their way to reward and life. But how do they get there? Well, there is a way that seems wrong to gain life. What is it? It's death. Didn't Jesus himself say, Though you are dead, if you believe in me, yet shall you live. We have life through death. There is a way that seems wrong, death to self. But it leads to life. There is a way that seems right, and that's live for self, but it leads to death. Which choice are you going to make? Are you going to choose the, the way of death? That's the way Christ chose. When he came, he made a choice to pursue knowledge and wisdom and move up that scale because he knew the reward would be a return to the presence of the Father, bringing with him all that the Father had given him. We are among that group. But how did Christ gain entry back into the presence of the Father? It was through his death. So the challenge we have is to die to self in order to live for God. And that begins with the pursuit of knowledge. What is knowledge? 
Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Also says in verse, chapter 9, verse 10, The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if we want to move up our scale, we begin with the fear of the Lord that will help us gain the knowledge that we need. The word knowledge appears 130 times in the Bible, and 38 of those are in the book of Proverbs because it is a book about gaining the knowledge you need of who God is. Now, that knowledge does not come easily to any of us. Knowledge from God and about God always begins with the fear of God. Let me say that again. Knowledge from God and about God always begins with the fear of God. But that fear of God is not that I am afraid of Him, though certainly I had every reason to be, but yet I have an awesome awareness of who He is. And I respect that awareness of who He is, and so I want to live for Him. I want to know Him. Tozier said this, The greatness of God rouses fear within us, but His goodness encourages us not to be afraid of Him, to fear and not be afraid. That is the paradox of faith. How do you get to know God? I became a Christian at the age of 28. One and a half years later, I was in seminary. Now, let me tell you about that experience. I went to seminary at 30 years old, and I was in classes with men who had grown up in Christian preschool, and then they went to Christian grammar school, and then they went to Christian middle school, then they went to Christian high school, then they went to Christian universities, and they were going to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, they were going to Christian camps in the summer, and then they were going to family camps at the end of the summer. These people were steeped in Christianity. And here came Wally. I came in here with a year and a half knowledge of God. I hadn't even read the whole Bible yet. And I'm trying to understand what in the world am I doing here? I didn't know God. Not to the extent that they did. So I knew I had a lot of work ahead of me to get to know Him. Fortunately, I was blessed with a wife who laid out a plan for me, and I spent every moment I had studying and in class and doing everything that God told me to do so that I could get to know Him. Because I knew this, I was sent there by a church and its elders to become something for God, and I had a fear of failure, a fear that I would not only fail them, but I would fail God. That was a motivating factor. So I had this fear of God that was going to lead me into worship. You need to understand, a knowledge of God is available to every one of us out there. God has not restricted it. Consider the oldest patriarch we know of, Job, and his story. I think his friends were simple. I think by definition, they really didn't understand God. They flowed with the crowd. They were saying, well, Job's being punished because Job is guilty. He has sinned. And he's even doing a worse thing by covering up his sin. But Job was saying, I've not sinned. I know God. 
And I know I haven't sinned, but I don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. But I don't need to understand. I'm struggling here, but I believe God. As a matter of fact, these were the words he spoke. I know that my Redeemer lives and that on that day I will stand with him on the earth. Wow, that is a true statement of knowledge, a statement of faith. It's a choice that Job made rather than being a simple person like his friends were who were accusing him unjustly, not understanding who God was. Job got it. And yet he was willing to go through the suffering he had to go through to hold on to that relationship that he had with the Father, just like Christ. He went through all the suffering he went through. You know, we're going through suffering right now, each of us in different ways, through these highly unusual situations we find ourselves in. And yet, we know this, that our God is our Redeemer, that He is going to pull us through to the other side of this. He's going to comfort those of us who have lost loved ones. He's going to comfort those who are having business problems. He's going to comfort every one of us in whatever situation we find ourselves if we pursue Him, if we pursue His knowledge, He's placed His own Spirit inside of you to go after that pursuit. He will show you what He wants you to know. You have a choice. You have a choice to go the way of the simple, to judgment, or to go the way of knowledge, to reward. C.A. Criswell, famous pastor of old, said, If you ever lose the key of the reverent respect and awe of God, then nothing means anything. It's not going anywhere. It didn't come from any place. And nothing faces you that will bring success to you. But ultimate disaster, madness, darkness, and death. The key knowledge of God. John Stott said, knowledge is indispensable to the Christian life. If we do not use the mind that God has given us, we condemn ourselves to spiritual superficiality and cut ourselves off from many of the riches of God's grace. I think he was reflecting something that Peter said in his second letter Chapter 1, verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge. Knowledge is so important for us. Now, it's not about gaining all of this book knowledge, this life knowledge, and just holding on to it. It's not about adding letters to the end of your name. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge can do great danger in your life if it's not guided toward action. Jonathan Edwards said, Seek not to grow in knowledge chiefly for the sake of applause and to enable you to dispute with others, but seek it for the benefit of your souls. You need knowledge. You need to be taught. You need to teach yourself. And then you need to teach others. That's what this is all about. We believe in that. We are here to help you understand to gain that knowledge, and then you can gain knowledge on your own through your own studies and the resources we've made available, and you can then turn to others you know, and you can help them gain this
this knowledge of God. It's so important that we be on that path that takes us to reward. Let me give you a biblical example of someone who moved from simple to knowledge. I classify him as that. His name was Nicodemus. In the Gospel of John, five times he's mentioned. Three of those are early in chapter 3, and then in chapter 7 there's one where Nicodemus seems to defend Jesus Christ by saying, aren't we wanting to find evidence about someone before we say that they're guilty? And then the last time he meets Christ, I'll tell you about. But in those first three encounters, Nicodemus comes as a simple man, but he's seeking knowledge. Because he says, we know, Jesus, that you're a man from God, because you couldn't have done all these miracles if you weren't. And Christ, already knowing the outcome from the beginning, doesn't address the question that was implied, but rather says this, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus takes it literally, simple-minded. Well, can a man enter his mother's womb for a second time and be born? He says, no, no, Nicodemus. You see, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And just as the wind blows, you know, so also the Spirit comes. Nicodemus is really confused now. He's trying to understand. And here's where Jesus gets him. Jesus says, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law and you don't understand? You see, someone can be knowledgeable and simple. He was moving from simple to true knowledge because Jesus said, Even as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so also is the Son of Man lifted up, that all who look unto him shall be saved. Why did he bring up that reference? Because that passage in Numbers chapter 21 is the most famous passage in the Old Testament that the Jews looked to to understand Messiah. Nicodemus should have understood that he was in the presence of Messiah who himself was going to be lifted up, that all who looked to him would be saved. It must have had some impact on Nicodemus because not long after he makes that statement of correcting the leaders who want to do something to Jesus. But then we move to the end of the story. And here's Nicodemus requesting the body of Christ. You wouldn't do that unless there was some connection that had been made. And I just picture in my own mind, and this is not biblical, but it's, it's deduced from the scriptures that Nicodemus goes, ask permission to take the body down because he doesn't want the body on the cross after six o'clock on Friday night because that's Sabbath and the Jews didn't allow that. And so he got permission and he, he took the body down and he and Joseph of Arimathea wrapped the body in, in clothing and I could just see, you know, they had to carry this body to the tomb that had been provided by Nicodemus and Joseph. And as they're carrying the body, can't you picture with me People walking behind, maybe some simple-minded people, maybe some knowledgeable people, but people following because they want to see what's happening, what's going to happen. And I can just hear Nicodemus in my mind saying, it's okay, I got Jesus. It's okay, walk this way. About three hours out of Jacksonville Beach, we would start asking, are we there yet? remember that? 
My mother would say, not yet, not yet, just wait, just wait. And then, hours later, we would hear her say, all right, sit up, look out, in just a moment, you're going to see that we came the right way, and you'll see the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. Are you ready? We'd top the hill. There it is, and our dream of the day had been fulfilled. I'm so anxiously looking forward to Jesus saying, it's okay, you've got me, keep walking this way. And on that day, he's going to say to me, all right, open your eyes and see, here it is. This is what you've been waiting for. Here is your reward. Can you claim that reward with me today? Do you know that Jesus is calling you to come into his presence on a daily basis to know him the way that we are supposed to know him spiritually? Spend the time necessary. Seek that knowledge that leads to wisdom and watch what God will do for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your patience with us you have taken those of us who were truly simple in our lifestyle, following the crowd, doing whatever anybody else wanted, statistical morality. Lord, you just, you put up with us, and yet you have saved us from ourselves. You have saved us from our sinful behavior. You've saved us from the wrath that we deserve because you took it all upon yourself. And now, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, you want to fill us with knowledge you want to take us where you want us to go. You want us to walk this way, which is toward you, toward the light of the world. Lord, thank you that you will accomplish in us that which you began. We depend upon that. And we thank you, Lord, that today is a new day. We can leave our simple ways and we can walk toward you. So hear our prayer, Lord, and answer it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go out and have a great afternoon and a wonderful week. See you next week.